We've been about this work, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, shared through the voices of a white woman and a black man. We bring lived experiences. We have pursued DNI progress for most of our professional lives. We use Crazy and the King to cover news, tips from colleagues, and host incredible guests. Listeners, count on Julie and I to transparently drive the conversation. We thank you for rocking with us. Check it. Check it. Julie, kick off the show. Welcome to Crazy and the King, wrapping up 2021 with you, my friend. Hey, let me ask you a question. Uh-oh. Do you remember where you were in March of 2008? Mm, no, I don't remember where I was in like yesterday. <laughs> That's a problem, but we go, we'll deal with that problem in another episode. Do you remember where you were in August, September. Do you remember what was happening in 2008? No, I have no fucking clue. How are you going to throw this at me with no prep? <laughs> economic collapse of 2008. The reason I bring it up that. is because we are now 13 years out. Wow. And or we are, give or take, a decade out from the recovery. So we got some good news in the infrastructure bill that has been, I guess, passed by our political system. That's good. That's something for us to look forward to. But we are a decade out. And you know what they say, these economic waves happen in decades. So the question becomes, as we approach the holiday season, get ready to turn the clock on another year. Do you feel like you're prepared if another economic calamity comes through because of student loans, because of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, because of geopolitical happenings, because of COVID and the pandemic and the constraint that it put? Do you feel, Jay, that you are prepared to weather another storm? So we never, ever talk about my first career, which was stockbroker and and trader to the stars at Charles Schwab. Um, So yes, we are headed for another correction, the level of that correction, TBD. Um, But the beautiful thing is, is I am so far away from retirement um, that this correction is just a buying opportunity for me. So I, I don't sweat those kind of details. Okay. So anyway, um, let's just get out of this conversation because anytime <laughs> I'm, I got to deal with somebody using words like correction and you, you know, you big time with it. So, uh, I just want to ask a general question. I could have just said, good evening. How you doing? How, 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 uh, you know, just welcome to the pod. Thanks for recording with me. Last show of the year. I tried to get really philosophical and academic and and then you just kind of amplified it up like a whole bunch. So forget all that. I'm not going to let you show me up in the last episode of the year. We got a great show because we have two guests joining us and we're going to actually get to them in just a little bit. You know, um, Michelle Irwin from All Wheels Up, Tina Marie Duff also uh, contributing to the conversation from All Wheels Up. So I'm looking forward to chatting with them. But um, you found something about Singapore. Yeah, so you and I are always talking about COVID vaccines, COVID, COVID, COVID. Um, Singapore says they will no longer pay for COVID-19 treatment of people who have remained unvaccinated by choice. The government Operative said today- is by choice. By choice. Uh, the government said today that such people disproportionately contribute to the strain on our healthcare resources. Holy shit. So yeah, not going to pay and, for and, it and, anymore. And, and, you know, and I wonder, (laughs) might we follow suit? Because the truth of the matter is, you do have a choice. And it is costing in a number of ways. It's costing people emotionally. It's costing people psychologically. It's costing people physically. Yes. We are making some choices and we got, we got to, we, I, I I just feel like at some point, given this mandate that's been placed in front of us, mm-hmm. 
At some point in 2022, I think the U.S. is going to do the same thing. I'm not sure if if we've got like the the balls, the, the brass, the the kahunas to go that far. Um, in, in all honesty, I think that it is not a bad decision. Um, and I think it's important that we note that people who cannot get the vaccine because of disability, um, because of underlying pre-existing conditions, those people are more at risk because of the people who choose to remain unvaccinated just because they don't want to get the shot. And so it is 1300 Americans are still dying every single week. We've got you know, record cases coming through at us still. So yeah. And right, we've got the OSHA ruling now that uh, we're going to have to have everything put into place by January 4th from the Biden administration. With some exceptions, right, we've got it looks like just a probably short term stay from the uh, appeals court from the Fifth Circuit, which is Louisiana, traditionally a very conservative area. Um, we think that will run through the remaining courts and be affirmed. Uh, it's it's very, very entrenched in case law and precedent. Um, however, something interesting that that you found this week is that truck drivers are exempt from the vaccine mandate. Yeah, and apparently football players, too. Yeah. Um, so, so I know you saw your guy, Aaron Rodgers, And the only reason I say that is because you might not like him or the team, but you still watch football. You know, you and I have these conversations around who is, who isn't watching it. I still love you. It's not a big deal. You watch it. It's all by choice, but Aaron Rodgers, he actually lied about being vaccinated. You know, he got real slick with his language in an interview. He used the word immunized, like the reporter mm -hmm. asked him, had he been vaccinated? And he responded by saying, I've been immunized. That's real slick. That was that runaround. That was that that was that 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 flea mm -hmm. flicker. You remember that little flea flicker play? Mm -hmm. He did that little flea flicker. But but then, of course, he got caught. And here's why I'm upset about that. I'm not really even upset about the fact that he used the word immunized. I'm upset because the team knew that they were lying and covering for him. And I'm even more upset because State Farm is not dropping him as a spokesperson. Now, I'm not the smartest person in the world. But if I look up spokesperson, that means you are the face in many ways of my brand. You are the representation. You are the conduit to bringing people to us. You are the person that we're supposed to trust. And they're not dropping this cat. Yeah, I, I mean, one, I'm a, I was a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. I have jerseys in my closet to burn. Um, I am disappointed. And, and it just, to me, reinforces the absurdity of the NFL, right? We've got Colin Kaepernick who literally took a knee and conversed openly with the public about um, oppression and racism that still exists in our world. Aaron Rodgers got to fucking take a week off, paid, I'm sure, while he lied to the public. He endangered his teammates. He endangered their family, their children. Um, entire staff that were exposed to him because he refused to get vaccinated and was not honest about it. And the team covered for him. You're absolutely right. And are responsible for that additional risk that they placed for their entire Packer family. It's it's totally unacceptable. And his ass is going to be back, uh, you know, behind the line in a week. Yeah, within a week. And that's unfortunate. Speaking of being behind the line, uh, found a story, and this happens to be from the educational community. And, you know, Julie and I, we love to move around because we'd like to show you that there's work to be done in every industry. For years, the tech community took the brunt of the diversity and inclusion conversation. But what we've learned we got issues like all across the spectrum of the world of work. So this story takes us back to classrooms and 
I, I just want to read you the headline for a moment. And, and when I read it, I actually want you to count to like three and let the, the, the headline just kind of sit with you for a second. The headline of the story from the Toronto Star is another Parkdale collegiate educator under investigation for saying the N-word a day before blackface incident. Another, another means, <laughs> another means we already had one before. <clears throat> we don't know how many another's there were, but another is a clear signal that there is somebody before you, a donkey before you, like somebody acted an ass before you. Another Parkdale collegiate educator under investigation, investigation for saying the N-word a day before a blackface incident in a diverse community in Canada. Yeah. Um, I, I got nothing. I mean, the funniest, not funny part of this whole story is that the N-word was used when discussing a song among students. Like, yo, if you're white, you can't say that word under any circumstance. How the hell are we still having this conversation? Like, not hard. Common sense. Obviously, they've got some big issues that they have to deal with there. Um, you know, as it, it sounds like educators are are having a backlash, really, to the conversations that we're having around racial injustice in this, in this country and in theirs, um, for that matter. And as a matter of fact, across the globe, because that whole CRT conversation, critical race theory is not just happening here in the U.S., but it is making its way over in Europe. And if they're not saying CRT, they're saying things like it. And it's really problematic for me. And and I've talked about this more than enough. I promise I'm not going to hit a, I'm not going to hit a soapbox on this evening. And last but not least, before we uh, get into our conversation with Michelle and Tina Marie. um. Bro culture strikes again. So you are a sports fan. You've already made that clear. You got a couple of jerseys in your don't burn the jerseys. Just keep them. Just just let me let me just comment on that. Just keep them. Um, but the Barstool's uh, founder, Dave Portnoy, uh, is in trouble. Now, first and foremost, he has repeatedly used the N-word on camera. If you go out on Twitter, you can see some of the instances uh, of him using the N-word. He has multiple sex tapes. Now, listen, in his defense, he says, bottom line is I have sex and there's nothing wrong with me having sex. And you all really shouldn't be making a big deal about me having sex. I don't know how the women feel about this who are in the tapes, but that's a whole nother discussion. He's got multiple sex tapes. The issue right now is he has a number of allegations that he was extremely abusive and uh, just all out of sorts with uh, a number of new women. So Barstools is in trouble uh, because he has placed a number of women in uncompromising positions. If you have a child in college, um, you should be following Barstool Sports for their university. It is the most disgusting form of misogyny and sexism and racism I have ever seen um, at, at a local level and at a, at a national level. So I, I got nothing more to say on that one. And there you have it. Those are our quick takes for this particular week. Um, let's go to a break and then we're going to get into our conversation because it's one that I saw on Twitter. But I got to be honest, I actually didn't click into the story. Admittedly, I moved beyond it. And then you hit me with a text message as I was driving. And I'm like, well, share the story with me. And then when you sent the link over and I clicked, I'm like, I saw that. Like, I didn't read it. And then when I read it, I'm like, yep, 
we absolutely need to talk about that. So let's do a quick commercial and let's get into the story uh, because I think it's important for people to hear about Ingracia Figueroa. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change Podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back um, to the show. So this story that you mentioned, Torin, right before the break hit a lot of platforms, uh, Bloomberg, Forbes, Daily Mail, Newsweek, USA Today. hit our community hard, uh, right in the heart. Uh, I would say that this story sits with me very much like the story on the death of Michael Hickson. Um, It shows ableism in its purest and most damaging um, form. And so uh, before we discuss kind of the story and set the plate, we have invited Michelle Irwin and Tina Marie Duff from an organization called All Wheels Up. And before we get into the story, we want to take a quick listen to Michelle on a local news station. Yeah. And just real quick, you know, it's about two minutes. So I want you to stay and listen to the reporters that are communicating in this particular news clip. I want you to listen to the words and the voice. I mean, the actual voice of Ingracia, and it's spelled E-N-G-R-A-C-I-A, Ingracia Figueroa. Um, I want you to hear her words, and then I want you to also hear the words and contribution from one of our guests today, who's also in this particular clip, Michelle Irwin. Uh, Have a listen. Airline loses or damages your luggage, but it can be a real nightmare for those who depend on accessibility devices like a wheelchair or a scooter. Getting their cargo back mangled or not at all can take away their independence, and time spent in a loaner device could actually result in serious injury. So in tonight's cover story, we're revealing the growing problem and what's being done to fix it. Like many Americans, Ingracia Figueroa has flight anxiety, but her concerns are hardly about turbulence, takeoff, or landing. It's mostly her mobility. We always hope that when we give you this extension of our body that you are going to give it back to us in the same way. 30 years ago, Ingracia was hit by a transit train. Her leg was amputated, her spinal cord injured. She finds freedom and independence now in her specially designed wheelchair. But in July, she says her $30,000 chair was mangled in the cargo hold of a United Airlines flight. To have your whole chair demolished is basically seeing your whole life ripped from you and being re-disabled all over again. Under the Airline Carrier Access Act, airlines are responsible for making repairs or replacing lost or damaged accessibility devices. And Gracia was given a loaner chair while United arranged for repairs. My chair is custom made for me to be able to sit in properly with my torso up. United told ABC News in a statement, Ms. Figueroa's preferred vendor has completed the repairs. But Ingracia is fighting for a full replacement as she says, This is the fourth time her chair has been damaged in flight, and not just while flying United. She blames a lack of staff training by airlines on how to break down and load the devices. It is an industry-wide problem. According to data from the Department of Transportation, airlines mishandled 10,541 mobility devices, roughly 29 per day. Michelle Irwin, disability rights activist and president of All Wheels Up, says she has experienced the difficulties firsthand. I was on a flight probably 10 years ago with my small child. 
and learned really quickly how difficult it was to travel with someone who uses a wheelchair. All Wheels Up is funding and conducting crash test studies in an effort to get the FAA's approval for a wheelchair spot on planes. While airlines see it as an investment, Irwin says it's a cost-benefit. Because when a wheelchair is damaged, they have to fix or replace that wheelchair, and some wheelchairs can cost up to $78,000. An amendment to the Air Carrier Access Act has already been introduced. While it doesn't include a wheelchair-accessible seat on airplanes, it does include language for proper stowing of assistive devices. All right, awesome. I appreciate each and every one of you for being here, both of you, I should say. Uh, Why don't you just do us the honors of introducing yourself. Michelle, I want to start with you. Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me here today. I'm really honored just to talk about um, this, just this topic. Um, but um, I am, I'm Michelle Irwin from All Wheels Up, and I am uh, the president and founder. And do you by chance have social media handles that you want to uh, put out early in the show? Sure. We are on Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, and it's really all just All hmm. Wheels Up. Um, you see the smile on my face. It. Are you on Facebook or are you on Meta? <laughs> gotcha. We You're on Facebook. On I, Facebook. No, <laughs> no, no argument for me. No argument for me. Uh, uh, and then Tina Marie, could you, uh, uh, in, well, would you, I should say, introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks, Torin. So my name is Tina Marie Duff. Um, I am one of the founding board members uh, of All Wheels Up with Michelle and the team and also the board chair. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, Jay, why don't you set the stage for us? Yeah. So uh, you got to hear in our clip the discussion that Ingracia Figueroa had with a local newscaster about the damage that happened to her wheelchair um, last July on a United Airlines flight when she was in D.C. um, for the help can't wait rally or i'm sorry care can't wait rally uh which is something that is near and dear to my heart focused on bringing caregiver pay up to a living wage um and taking care of our direct support professionals um figueroa a a black disability advocate uh and activist was uh returning home from that dc rally and her chair was damaged um And I think what I want to talk to and hear from our guests that is important here is how critical that care was or that chair was to not just her independence, but ultimately her survival. And um, just on Friday of this week, uh, we were received an announcement that Ingracia has passed away from the illness, infection, I'm not even quite sure the right word to use, that was a result of that chair being damaged in July by United Airlines. And the process and the pain that she had to go through to get a chair fixed when what it really needed was to be replaced. And, you know, people with disabilities have an enormous contribution to the travel industry. Um, I I think our guests can probably correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's something around $17 billion billion annually that the community contributes to travel. We travel a lot, just like everyone else. And I was really disheartened to hear on on Twitter kind of the reactions from able-bodied people about how um, people with disabilities and people who use wheelchairs should have access or not have access to um, the same travel luxuries that you and I have. So with that being said, that's kind of the story. I think for us as a community, our hearts hurt over the weekend, and I wanted to make sure that we had Michelle and Tina Marie on the show to talk today. Um, and help us understand a little bit more about why the story is so important. Yeah, Michelle, why don't you jump in? Because again, when we think about air travel, we think about sitting in those tight ass chairs with not enough room, looking out those really small windows and watching the people that are on the ramp, typically taking luggage, grabbing it quickly, real scanning it with their eyes or with a little device, snatching it and throwing it on one of the carts so they can transport it to where it needs to go, 
be it another airline, another airplane or into the terminal. But in this particular instance, we're talking about a woman's wheelchair, not just any wheelchair, a $30,000 device. Why? Why is this important for us to recognize and be sensitive to be more conscious and aware of? Torin, thank you for that, just that ramp up to the whole situation. I mean, the, the situation really starts for a wheelchair user from the very beginning of entering that airplane, and they have to be transferred out of their uh, wheelchair that in Ingracia's situation was custom made, built to support her body and the specific needs that she needed. And she was taken out of that wheelchair and transferred into um, an airplane seat. Now, many of us can reposition ourselves during our three-hour flights and get into another comfortable position and, you know, alleviate those pressures. Um, but, you know, someone who maybe like Ingressia um, or any other um, person with, a, you know, mobility um, reduce mobility, you know, they don't have that luxury of being able to reposition themselves. Um, and then, you know, then they have to transfer out of that airplane seat into an aisle chair again and back into their their wheelchair. Um, and, you know, Angracia wasn't given that opportunity because her wheelchair was damaged. And she, from the time she got off of that airplane, was, you know, shuffled from one substitute wheelchair to another. And you know, basically from July to, you know, basically this Friday, she still never was able to get back into her custom made wheelchair to help alleviate um, any of those um, pressure sores that ended up having that she that she had and then had the subsequent infections. And it's just a tragedy that could have been prevented. You know, we can, you know, talk to about the future at a later date, but there really was no reason that the airlines couldn't have replaced her wheelchair in a timely manner. Um, so she could not have these issues with the pressure sores that were created. And, you know, let's not talk about all of the other things that, you know, she probably endured, you know, you know, in that time of not being able to be active in her community and go to work or be part of hand in hands, you know, messaging, you know, going forward since July. So just, you know, the wheelchair is an extension of someone's, you know, life and they, she wasn't given that opportunity. And, you know, they're just really, Marie, I think about that. inside of the clip, you know, when we, when we watched it, those of you, you heard the clip, I've seen the video, but inside of such, it talks about the ill preparedness or the untrained um, ramp agent. I guess that's what they're called. The persons who are placing luggage and packaging and boxes on and off of the airplanes. And, and I don't want to mix apples and oranges, but we we have a similar conversation happening in our communities as it relates to policing and police being equipped or non-equipped to be able to have conversations around those folks that are having episodes or mental uh, experiences, if you will. Wh why does this story resonate and sit with you the way that it sits with you? Uh, so it's a good question and um, interesting parallel that you've made. The Since I've been part of All Wells Up um, and it's the start, which is now I think over a decade, um, that we've been funk that we've been a charitable organization. There are so many. The system is broken. Torn. the The system is the system is completely broken. Um, when you think about the education piece of it, that's just a small part. When you look at the process that somebody has to go who wants to travel, who's a user of a wheelchair, and yes, the disability community travels. But All Wheels Up actually conducted a survey very early on. And one of the things that we discovered is that users of wheelchairs choose not to travel by airlines because of the fear and the risk and also the dignity that it that is lost sometimes in the whole transfer process um, and how you may be treated. And then if you are a caregiver, you have to, you're responsible for helping to take apart that wheelchair and getting it 
uh, to the underbelly of the plane and having it, uh, you know, boarded safely. And then when it comes back off, um, putting it back together. So there's so many pieces of this travel story for somebody um, that is using a wheelchair. And the what All Wheels Up has been doing since the very beginning is trying to pull all the parties together, or the manufacturers, the, the, the airline industries, the airline manufacturers, the tie-down systems, and all the organizations that, um, you know, Michelle and the team have worked with to create a process, to create a sustainable system, to create a set of standards so that people can confidently travel safely. And in, in the TED Talk, um, Michelle gave, I think, three or four years ago, she, you know, she said, we see it. We see it on Disney rides, cruises, taxi cabs. So why are we not seeing it within the airline industry? And, you know, it's just a tremendous, a tremendous gap. And the, the injuries that uh, Ingracia sustained were completely preventable. And this should not happen again. Right, it shouldn't have happened in the first place, and I'm, she's not the first person who has sustained an injury. Um, you know, this is this is just so tragic, and there's no other group out there besides All Wheels Up that's literally conducting the the testing, the crash testing, and bringing all these organizations together to advance the agenda, so that there can be a a process um, put in place at, that users of wheelchairs can travel safely. There are teams working on pieces and elements of this, but really the work of All Wheels Up is bringing everybody together and, and literally conducting the testing, the millions of dollars that it's needed to, to do the testing to prove the feasibility. So I think there's a, a couple of things that kind of arise out of, of what you're talking about. One is that I think people who are not wheelchair users um, do not understand that how impactful a custom wheelchair is for a person with certain types of disabilities. And I don't know, Michelle, if you can speak to the importance of a, a personalized or customized wheelchair. And also in that same response, tell us, like, is this a common issue? Does, do, does is Ingracia's story uncommon? Um, or, or does this happen all the time? Um, well, to, to start first, yes, it, I would have to say that it happens all the time. I think uh, the DOT report is that 29 wheelchairs are damaged a day. Um, and so that's a significant number. Basic, you know, I, I think the wheelchair community likes to say, you know, 29 people have had their legs broken um, every single day by the airline industry. Um, and in regards to, you know, these custom made wheelchairs, you know, it they are built, especially these expensive ones are, you know, they can range from anywhere between $10,000 to $78,000. And they really are made um, for all, all different customizations with tilts, um, you know, some of, you know, so they can relieve their pressure sores, some have their oxygen tanks, you know, attached. It's, you know, the what they can do, like leg leg rests that raise and go down. And I mean, it's finite in regards to, you know, what these wheelchairs, you know, can do. Um, you know, my son uses one. He has a, his joystick is micro light because he can, he, he's paralyzed. He's completely paralyzed and can't move anything. And except for like very, very little bit of his fingers. And, you know, but you have other people who can only move their wheelchairs with their lips or their breath. And, you know, like you said, though, the wheelchair community is traveling and why shouldn't they travel? But, you know, a joystick that costs $3,000, you know, we're just expected to take it off of the wheelchair and throw it in, you know, throw it in our handbag um, so it doesn't get destroyed by the baggage handlers. Um, and, you know, we say that the, you know, education is a part of it. I mean, I've, I've been part of, you know, I've been, I've seen the education and, you know, the education isn't trickling down to the people who are actually doing the work on the, on the tarmac. You know, um, you know, it's happening at maybe the leadership level, but it's certainly not getting down to the people who are saying, you know, the baggage handler is thro throwing your wheelchair into the cargo cargo hole. Um, I know, you know, people are saying that they're, you know, trying to find funding to, you know, to make, you know, processes better. But 
this issue has been going on for years. And, you know, if we look at 2019, um, a woman was dropped during a, during a transfer and an airline had a significant payout there. Um, I think you can probably read, you know, every year significant um, harm done to an individual as well as their wheelchairs on, um, on a yearly basis. This is definitely not something that's new. Um, and it's definitely part of the reason that um, All Wheels Up was created. Um, we, we understand that the industry is trying to um, work with inside the box that they have been given in regards to what they, they see as accessible air travel. But All Wheels Up has a different definition of accessible air travel. And we feel that true definition is a wheelchair spot on airplanes, just like you find on buses and trains um, today. And so that's what our, our long-term goal is. Um, but however, we're here to ha help advocate for um, better accessible air travel today through, through creating new policies and, um, and through our Fly Safe Today program so people can travel um, safer today. You know, Torn, I just want to add to that. You asked about education. Guess what? We wouldn't need the education if people just could stay in their own damn chairs and travel. Right? Having to force somebody to come out of their chair to to be uh, to travel is is in this day and age. In this day and age, when you have organizations and all parties proving feasibility, wanting to do it, and millions of folks out there who ha have mobility needs to not have a solution, a workable in-place solution is just not acceptable. And it is, Julie, it's ableist in its, full, in its fullest form. It is, it is. And I, I think that's the part that we needed to hear from both of you is that it is a lack of dignity to have to give a piece of your personage away to go under the plane instead of the seat where you can park your chair coming out and going under the under the carriage for that flight right that is so simple and it is so just reinforces how people with disabilities are the absolutely last group of people that are being thought about and being provided for by so many companies. And I think we could all probably agree that it would probably be cost effective to provide these seats on planes rather than pay out the damages of 29 damaged assistive technology or assistive devices every single day. Torin. Got it. And let me let me let me jump in real quick. And and this is coming from a person, you know, this is a moment of vulnerability. I was actually just in Nashville, Tennessee, a couple of weeks ago. It, I, I swear to God, I'm telling you the truth. I was literally standing, waiting to board my plane. And there were probably four people that were in the section to be boarded on the plane that were in wheelchairs being pushed by airline um, employees. And I literally in that moment said to myself, what would my life be like if I were in that chair? Like I literally asked myself that question. And I didn't really have an answer in that moment. And, and I'm, I'm in some ways like an empath. When I see senior citizens walk into a grocery store in my community, I'm like, they don't have any family. Like, I literally want to hop out of my truck and help them. Like, I can feel that humanity, if you will, in these various scenarios. But I want to get back to the subject at hand because you both raised a very good point. Beginning of the year, I remember seeing video of people looking to redesign air travel, make seats more comfortable, give us a bit more space. Are we suggesting so that people can stay in their wheelchair? Are we suggesting that we maybe take out the first row of three seats and make those seats where wheelchairs can be? that every wheelchair has a standard latch on the back 
that has a tether that's going to keep them in place. What are we looking at? Are we looking at legislation? What from the both of you, what is it that we should be considering on a very large scale that our listeners can petition their congressional staff, can tweet about, can post on social media? What are we missing in the conversation? So, Tina, if you don't mind, I'll just I'll jump in here. But, um, you know, work is work is being done. Um, All Wheels Up, uh, like Tina said, was the first um, organization to fund research to, to see if a wheelchair spot is possible. We've proved it's possible um, congressionally. Um, the FAA Reauthorization Act was signed with um, the funding for a feasibility study. Um, that study has been done. It's a two-year study. It was just published in September. And basically, this congressional study proves that a wheelchair spot is possible um, through not just All Wheels Up saying it's possible, but stakeholders from all over the globe coming and having a two-year conversation about the research that we did and everybody's expertise um, from within the industry, whether it's wheelchair manufacturers, um, plane manufacturers, and wheelchair securement companies, um, all having robust dialogue um, on whether or not it's possible. Always Up is still very active in working with all stakeholders, whether it be plane manufacturers and OEMs, which are the seating manufacturers, in creating what that new idea is and the new R&D on creating what a wheelchair spot could look like. Um, just like any um, you know, product that's going to come out, there could be multiple options of what that one, pro- you know, one device could look like. It's not going to be just one. We believe it could be multiple options. Um, Yes, we do believe that possibly, maybe some rows of seats are going to have to come out to make way for um, a wheelchair spot to make that accommodation. But All Wheels Up is funding research right now with the University of Washington on a budget impact model to show that while, yes, you may be removing seats, you're actually going to gain revenue, but not just revenue, save money on not paying out the legal payouts because you've injured somebody. Or now the death of somebody. Um, you're not going to be having to pay for the repairs and replacements of wheelchairs. One airline in 2016 played two, paid $2.6 million just in wheelchair repairs and replacements. I mean, you know, a wheelchair, if an airline is going to say, well, it costs me five grand a year, or I mean, sorry, five million a year um, just for re- removing that airplane seat, well, you've just made up half of it if you don't have to pay, you know, wheelchair repairs and replacements. So we're sort of putting, well, we are putting together that budget impact model to show the um, economic impact. Um, And then today, what is on the floor legislatively? There is the ACAAA, which is an updated um, update to the um, Air Carriers Access Act um, to improve accessible air travel and it, it does have very broad stroke wording um, in regards to improving access for people with disabilities, but we really need to show Congress that we, you know, we really support this bill and we support this mission to improve access. And so when we get to the next FAA Reauthorization Act, which will be in 2023, there will be real true momentum in regards to adding more funding and more work behind a wheelchair spot on airplanes. Yeah. <clears throat> And yeah, Torin, you had mentioned your observation when you were at the the airlines waiting to board. Michelle didn't even touch on the Termac turnaround time that is experienced by the need to board individuals and transport them. Can you imagine how much easier it is if they can just board in in the chair and and, and latch down like they would, you know, other modes of transportation? Um, one of the things I think we can share is that, you know, for those who have been following the story of Engracia, Hand in Hand has started a petition, and I think in the first 24 hours, over 6,000 people signed that petition. I'm sure that number has continued to increase, and uh, All Wheels Up is supporting that petition as well. And um, as far as the next steps, a lot of the work that's being done, you know, you would imagine is being funded by other organization groups or maybe the industry, but it's really not. All Wheels Up has raised millions of dollars, you know, small amounts at a, cl- at a time uh, from friends and family and, and, and from our disability community, who is the disability community is funding this research. It's not coming from the large partnerships that you might think. And, you know, 
airline travel is so important for the disability community, not f- just for uh, a leisurely vacation or to p- participate in life events like going for going to a wedding, but it's also for employment and for medical and clinical trials. There's so many reasons why you need to be have access um, to fly, and so one of the things that the community can do and and, the, and sponsors and, and, and organizations is really you know look to partner with organizations like All Wheels Up and support through grants um, the projects because it's the projects that is advancing the agenda um, and really pushing things like the an amendment that was added to the FAA Reauthorization Act and the, the research that we're doing with various universities. And there's so much more that this organization can do. Um, when, when people look at our, our board and our team members on, on the website, wheelsup.org, we are a small but incredibly mighty group. And what Michelle and her team has done and accomplished over the last 10 years as a, as a small nonprofit organization is phenomenal. Having, you know, Michelle is truly an industry disruptor. This is not her background. This was not my background. This was not any of the original, you know, uh, founding members' background, um, but really has disrupted the industry. And we always say, can you imagine what we did, what we could do, you know, if we had more support? Well, speaking of support, um, your computer should have just lit up because I just dropped the donation while we were in conversation. Take it away, Jay. Yeah. So if if you had one more thing to offer for listeners who do not use wheelchairs um, about the importance of respecting that wheelchair and respecting the uh, extension of that personhood, would you leave us with any one best practice? Oh, goodness, that's a really (laughs) tough one. You know, I think most people don't even realize that there isn't a wheelchair spot on airplanes. I think that's almost the number one thing I get from most people. Oh, I didn't know that there wasn't a wheelchair spot. And I think it's because they actually don't see a lot of wheelchair users flying. And I think they need to ask themselves, why is that? Um, I think in our survey, it was something, a huge number, I think 80% of um, wheelchair users, especially power wheelchair users, don't fly because of the risk. Um, But I think you know, in this day and age, when we're asking ourselves how we can be allies, I think it's asking yourselves that question of why aren't you seeing the disability community on your, on your flight that you're on and how can maybe you step in and make, help make a difference. So, um, I appreciate the both of you for joining us, um, to discuss a subject that we've never uh, uh, approached before on crazy and the King. We've talked about disability in a myriad of ways, but we've never talked about it before as it relates to air travel. And I got to tell you, I had absolutely no idea that wheelchairs could cost as much as they cost. I had zero idea that airlines had been experiencing the type of loss and um, recompensation, I think is the right word. I I just had the true learning experience. So thank you, Tina Marie, for joining us. Thank you, Michelle, for for just having the foresight and the vision and the uh, inspiration, if you will, to to start what you are doing with All Wheels Up. And thank you, Jay, for hitting me with the text and saying, this is what we're going to do this week. Like, abbreviate everything that you were thinking. This is the direction that we're going to go. Yeah, it's an important story. Thank you both for joining us. Um, Hope to have you back in a year or so when we've seen some progress and know you guys are going to continue to do that good work. Thank you. Absolutely. And uh, this week, I want to do something different because of what we just said in our Her Voice segment. And by the way, as uh, organizations, listeners that work for organizations, you can sponsor our Her Voice segment. This is where we amplify women that are making things happen. Because of what we just talked about, I'm going to amplify two incredible women. You ready, Jay? I'm ready. So like unplanned, totally unplanned, but I'm going to amplify Judy Human and Carmen Daniel Jones. Both women that are in wheelchairs, both women that are going to tag on this particular episode of our podcast 
because I want them to hear it. I want them to know that we are thinking about them and the community. And I'd also hope that when I tag them, that they contribute and even help us continue the learning. So our Her Voice women this week, Judy Human and Carmen Daniel Jones. All right. So last live show of 2021, um, over the next six, seven weeks, you are going to get an incredible set of interviews and conversations with guests that we have brought in from all over the world, including John Graham, a two-part series with him, um, Joanne from uh, Reality Bites was on our show we recorded last week. Uh, Winnings Gin from Jobvite, just to name a few. Um, and we are excited, excited to take this little break for ourselves, but mostly for you to hear from these incredible voices and these incredible interviews that are going to stack out the rest of your Crazy in the King 2021. Absolutely. And Jay, I want to just say thank you for continuing to push me on the journey. Make sure you enjoy the holidays with the family. I'm sure we'll have a couple of sessions where we are planning and strategizing for what 2022 is going to look and be like or be and look like, depending on how you want to say it. But for now, I want to absolutely say I appreciate you 1000%. And for all of you who are out there listening, This is not an excuse for you to take some time off every single week. We drop in a new episode on Spotify, iTunes, and all of the places where you can get your podcast listening. I want you to make sure that you are sharing the pod with your digital tribe, sharing the pod with your family and friends, doing what you can to make your workplace better. Keeping in mind that I say the return on investment or the ROI of DNI is greater humanity. For now, Jay and I, a ghost. Yeah. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.